and welcome to this week's episode of the Ski Racing Podcast with me, Ed Drake. Joining me again this week is former racer turned coach Ben Clark. We'll take a look back at an awesome Austrian extravaganza from Kitzbühel, then on to the women's race from Garmisch Partenkirchen, where we saw a welcome return to racing for the Olympic and World Cup downhill champion Sofia Goggia, and finally reviewing Schladming, where over 50,000 ski racing fans roared home Hirscher to an emphatic victory on home snow. Before then, previewing the upcoming women's racing from Maribor, slalom on Saturday, giant slalom on Sunday. Then it's the turn of the men to tackle Garmisch with a downhill on Saturday and a GS on Sunday. The last chance for many to qualify for the World Championships in RA starting next week. Ben, welcome back. And what have your highlights been over the busy weekend? Thanks, Ed. I think we need to talk about Vincent Kriegmeier. Uh, as soon as I finished watching the uh, men's downhill, that's what I wrote down in my pad for us to talk about <laughs> as soon as we sat down. That man has more lives than any cat uh, or anyone uh, I've ever seen on a pair of skis. Uh, he must have been down three times on his run and inches away from being all in the nets and somehow popped out. I don't know how he recovered that. That huge jump off the Mausefala at the top, then falling on landing, then gets up super quick and actually skiing within the top 20 still, and then a lucky escape across the traverse for popping out. You could just see him skiing across, then he disappears behind those big A-nets, and then all of a sudden he just like bursts out the side, still on his feet somehow. Unbelievable escape. It (laughs) It was hilarious and terrifying at the same time to watch. I was impressed with just how fast he was skiing, despite having laid on the floor in the first 20 seconds of of the challenge. That's really not something you see. You you could tell his concentration was definitely uh, a bit rocked uh, because he did make a couple of mistakes further down. But normally, if you've had that kind of crash, people are just... that, that's it, they're done for the day. They they ski off to the side, get their head together and then ski down. Yeah, he was certainly under pressure, wasn't he? Home race, home crowd, favourite going in after the win in Wengen. So I think he uh, just pushing super hard, which you have to. We talk about these World Cup races separated by hundredths of a second and, and he knew he had to push. And uh, Dominic Paris coming away with the downhill win, which actually ended up being first, didn't it? They rejigged the whole schedule due to the weather conditions. Yeah, Paris winning. Got you another pick, right? Oh, you on roll? fire. On a roll? On fire. T- t- took 13 podcasts to get any picks right, and now you're getting loads <laughs> right yeah, <laughs> Just nailing them. Warming up just in time for the World Champs. Yeah, Paris looked Paris looked uh, incredible, um, as did Foyts. That's, that's two weeks in a row Foyts has put down a run that looked like it would have been good enough for the win, and someone's come down and, yeah. and taken it from him. So although he continues to lead the tour standings, he's got to be a little bit frustrated that people keep just pipping him, and it's never, it's never a big margin of victory no. they're taking him by. Each time it's just a matter of tenths or hundredths. And then Otmar Striedinger finishing off on the podium. Yeah, he did really well. Coming from quite far back, the Austrians had a couple guys come in from, from the late 20s and I think uh, from the 40s as well to push into that top 10, which just goes to show that Austria can strike from anywhere in alpine racing. Well, they're going to have to strike from a bit further back with Max Franz out after fracturing his heel, not in a crash, just skiing across the ice on Kitzbühel shows the conditions, doesn't it? All you're doing is skiing a turn, bouncing across ice, fracturing your heel. Yeah, I don't think that kind of traverse is the kind of traverse that anyone else that goes skiing will, will think about, though, is it? Um, those conditions were, were, were brutal. It was so 
so solid underfoot and you could see all of the guys as they were coming across that traverse it was quite interesting to see how they even get any grip because whenever you see a slow motion neither of their skis are in contact yeah. with the floor they're just wobbling just, as yeah. they bounce across he, he did look in a lot of pain he's not a person who would normally stop Absolutely midway not. down a run unless he's tangled up in the nets well also I've got a bone to pick with him because he ruined my run of calls didn't he because he then didn't start the Super G so cheers for that Max just think about that when you're doing your rehab will you Um, at the same time shock news actually Axel and Svindal declaring that he is going to retire not at the end of the season just after the World Champs seems really strange to call it so early because he's still in the running for the Super G overall yeah, it was a really strange one. I think I'd picked Svindal for the downhill, so when I heard he wasn't even starting... I'll have a um, word with him. I was, yeah, I, I was equally as upset as you apparently are with Max Franz for, for, <laughs> for hurting himself. But for someone, the, the level and, I guess, class of Svindal to not even race the World Cup finals or contest the, the Super G globe must mean that he is in a, a lot of pain to, to turn around and say, you know what, I'm just going to hold on for the world champs and, and call it a day then must must be really significant. Well, I was speaking to Nick Fellows when I was on commentary with him for Eurosport and Nick said that he spoke to him in the finish area after the training run, which Svindal did do. And he showed Nick, Svindal showed Nick the size of his knee and he said that, that it was massively swollen after a training run, which you're not pushing top to bottom. So he's obviously skiing with a few demons, and I think that's that sort of gives us an insight into what happened maybe at, uh, in Bormio where he decided not to start, and or no, sorry, where he did start, but he didn't. He looked out of sorts on that rock hard icy track, and I, and I assume that there's just too much pain and scar tissue within that knee to really push it when it does get rough and bumpy. Because, like you said, Ben, you don't spend an awful lot of time on the snow, even when you are going across a fairly flat section. It's concrete, it's rock solid, and there is no break for your body. It's certainly this year in particular. All of the downhills appear to have been much more brutal, probably yeah, yeah. on the on on the athletes' bodies than than years gone by. Um, whether that's the amount of snow or the set that's been put down, there are a lot of people uh, with with injuries this year. So Svindal has had an incredible career, amazing. Um, career. So amazing. you can't really take anything away from him, and he's obviously decided after that training run that the pieces in Aria are probably a bit more favourable for his joints. So if he can rest until then. Uh, and give it one last shot. Maybe he can go out with a with a podium in the Super G or downhill in in RA and and, and go out on top. Which yeah, is exactly the way you want to do it. Uh, and then the schedule meant that we had slalom on Saturday. And I'd like to just reiterate the fact that I've got another call right. When I do get them right, I'll let you know about them. Uh, and <laughs> Noel took the win. Marcel Hirscher in second, then Alexi Pantero finishing off in third on the podium. Another great weekend of racing. That piste was super slick wasn't it and with all those undulations Clement Noel just looked so relaxed he looked so calm not like a 21 year old that's leading a world cup I know that he won in Wengen but it's Kitzbühel it's in front of 50,000 people yet again and uh, and he did the business after leading on the first run yeah, if you're gonna... No, sorry, he wasn't leading on. After he was second on the first run, was he? Because Roman Zenhuizen was in the lead on one, the first one, run. One of your previous favourites and picks for a few <laughs> slaloms. But uh, yeah, don't talk about that. I didn't get it on right. <laughs> he's been he's been skiing really well, Noel. I mean, if you're gonna have your first two victories as uh, Wengen and Kitzbühel slaloms, you're not doing too bad. But those two pieces that we called out in the previous podcast do really suit his style because just raw power 
in the slaloms there isn't necessarily enough because there are lots of undulations and fallaways on on the slope that you really need to be precise with and that's what his skiing is all about it's sometimes it's hard to see where he's accelerating because it just looks like he's gliding down but Herscher looked a little bit more like himself certainly on the second run he gave uh, Noel everything he could handle um, with his second run charge but still not quite enough not quite enough but he still managed to get one over on Christofferson who threw yet another little paddy in the finish area I'm actually getting some people talk about it and they're like oh he's showing passion and it's really starting to grate on me this uh, childish he, uh, they cut to the camera to him and he took the lead obviously he walked out of the enclosure then when Hirscher came down and beat him and he kicked his ski pole across the sort of athletes area and it, it just winds me up because I remember being told as a kid that if you normally do well at something it's going to take a monumental effort for somebody to come down and beat you and they deserve you to hold your hands up and respect the fact that somebody has gone quicker than you at the same time Christopherson has been doing that his whole life beating everybody, winning umpteen times all the way through his early career, yet now it's him that's getting beaten and he's not on top, which he's been through his whole career. He can't deal with it. And I actually think that's one of the reasons why he's now not performing, because he's getting super frustrated and he can't deal with not being the best. You think he'd be used to it after, after the last couple of seasons, do- yeah. dominating so much. It is a strange one because it, it looked like he'd got a bit more control over his emotions so far this season. And it might just be that in seeing Herscher struggling a little bit for form on the first runs, his eyes were probably lit up and he thought, I could actually get a couple wins here. And then to have Noel kind of jump in front and take the victories uh, and, and Herscher doing second runs that then push Christofferson back down, it might just be getting to that point where he thought he had a chance to get a couple victories and, and bring some confidence back to himself. But he's just been held out of the way just the arm's length each time which must be infuriating for I, just, I just like to see a little bit more uh, I don't know of a grown up attitude to it because like it or not you are now a role model being one of the best in the world and, and that's part of what you have to deal with as being a top level sportsman that comes with the paychecks it comes with the increased exposure and it's part and parcel of the game and I think it needs to uh, deal with it better and show a good example because there are youngsters coming in all around and we saw um, the Bulgarian Popov coming Again. from 73 or whatever he was into 6th on the first run wasn't he and then ends up finishing ninth. Roman Zenhuizen who was leading the first run went a little bit backwards and finished 6th and then Britain's Dave Riding finishing in 15th with a decent showing over the two legs, actually. I think it was super tough, super difficult conditions, uh, and Dave threw what he could at that piece and finished up with 15th. Solid runs from Dave. Um, that piece isn't nice for anyone to ski down. He still he looks a lot more confident in his skiing. There was a couple of mistakes in there, and that's why he might have slipped back down the order a little bit, but still solid. Not the kind of runs you'd look at and, and be annoyed with. I think he's reasonably happy with both. And as well, unfortunately, Laurie didn't quite get that second run we were hoping for either. I know. We keep waiting to see this form from Laurie. And we hear great things about him from the training hill and from Dave himself saying that Laurie's been pushing him super hard all through the summer and away from the racing scene. But we're yet to see this from Laurie. And we're all waiting with bated breath because amazing it would be for us to have two Brits to really cheer for in the second round. Just too many mistakes. But it becomes that difficult battle, doesn't it, against 
trying to get to the finish because you obviously have to finish to be within the 30 but also that we're seeing so many guys coming from outside the 30 into the 30 it's so difficult because you there isn't any space for a mistake but at the same time you have to push and by pushing hard equals mistakes generally so another race which will be frustrating for Laurie and frustrating for the coaching team and frustrating for us at home who are waiting and ready to see him maybe just maybe he's saving it for the world champs when there'll be slightly less Austrians and French and everyone else in the way so he can put down those runs and really announce himself on that stage Awesome. And then final race for the men was in the Super G, which actually was bathed in sunshine after the schedule got moved around a little bit later in the day. And Joseph Fursal taking the win. Great to see him getting his second ever World Cup win with Claret of France in second and Dominic Paris picking off yet another podium in third. Just quickly on Fursal, it was actually 40 years ago, his father won in Kitzbühel. So a nice little bonus result for, <laughs> for the Firstall family. Yeah, it, he brilliantly and winning from number one as well. Not something you see too often in the speed discipline. Sometimes starting number one seen as, uh, you know, not necessarily that much of a blessing because you want some of the fresh snow to be skied out of the way a bit. And all three guys covered in a tenth of a second on the podium uh, that's crazy stats there's, isn't it? there's been some there's been some really close racing and after his acrobatics and uh, using up of his lives on, on Friday morning Vincent Kriegmeier was, was unlucky to uh, finish just off the podium in fourth yeah he skied super well at the top didn't he he was really going for it he had some great splits some good green lights at the top one turn he cut the line too straight which was just before the Red Bull jump just before the arch and it was that right foot he cut in a little bit too tight had to release the edges and then put them back on which found himself in the slow snow because it was out in the fresh stuff and flashbacks to those minutes coming straight at him again I think uh, but in general, what a race and how tight it was is exactly what we want to see from racing in the World Cup and didn't disappoint yet again. Exactly. And I think it certainly goes to show when you think how many near misses and accidents there were on the downhill, how well these guys go to reset the mind and start again because Creekmire especially obviously used up a few of his lives on, on Friday and then just to have that confidence to then go flat out again two days later knowing what nearly happened to yourself is incredible. And also we had uh, Jack Gower, 43rd in the Super G. The coverage had cut off by the time uh, he'd come down so I didn't see the run itself but any time you get experience on a hill like Kitzbühel is going to be invaluable in the future. Yeah, his first race at Kitzbühel experiencing that electric environment as well as that infamous piece I think 43rd. I'm sure he would have hoped for a little bit more. The time difference, I'm sure he would have liked to have seen a little bit closer. But in, like you say, learning the track in Kitzbühel, getting used to those, the biggest of the big occasions. And, and I think he did himself no harm at all during that weekend's worth of racing. Let's move over to the women who were racing in Garmisch Partenkirchen over in Germany. We saw a very cool weekend of racing. That piece is in the dark. Again, we'll talk, we spoke about it last time. It's always in the shade there. So even though the weather was beautiful, it was amazing. At the same time, it's super tough in the darkness. Uh, and Schmidhofer taking another win, but this time in Super G. Sophia Goggia on the comeback from her injury, managing to pick up 
pretty much where she left off and picked off a second place. And Lara Gutbarami finally getting a podium, the second podium of the season, but finally getting back to some of that form that we're so used to seeing from her. Yeah, we've said for a few people, I think we discussed it last week, sometimes when you're coming back from injury, you have to first get back to where you were and then you've got to catch up with everyone else who's who's been improving the whole time you've been off. So really good to see her back on the podium. I was a little bit annoyed with Schmidhofer because obviously I'd picked her for the opposite race. So she uh, didn't do me any favours there. But uh, yeah, there was some there was some really good racing from the women's. And it was certainly good to see Sophia Goggia back. She looked almost like she hadn't been off. Oh, yeah, um, she looked fast at all times on that piece. I mean, it was running very fast and she didn't not look phased at all yeah unfortunately michelle gissin picking up a season ending injury with an acl rupture so she puts her out for the season obviously missing world champs and and wishing her luck with her recovery um downhill it was amazing to see the women tackling that piece like i say it's pretty tough stephanie venier taking her first world cup win which was nicely Godje again picking up another second place and kira vidal picking up third the thing that was interesting about that race is they had to make course alterations during the actual race I mean, we've seen it that they're making adjustments through training runs, obviously, and between training runs and races. But they actually shaved, had to shave off the lip on the jump. We saw the first three athletes go down and all get massive air off that jump. Actually, one of them crashed, but not in that section, which was really harsh because then they made the jump smaller, which obviously helps out the later runners because you're not flying as far and it's quicker to be on the snow than it is to be in the air. And then about... I think it was about nine or ten, they stopped it again and realised that they need to shave even more of the jump off, which I just think is a little unfair. I don't think that it wasn't, it was a big jump and it was very easy that if you got it wrong, that you would jump too far and land on one of the flatter parts of the piece. But those opening ladies that were jumping, they still landed in a good place. They just made a really good move, but it was big. And I can understand the safety aspect of it, and it's really tricky, but you can't surely halfway through a race make fundamental changes to what is a key part to downhill racing and a key part to a skill set in the race. I was getting very angry when when this was going on. If you get to the point where you have four runners, you've started the race, unless it's something that is causing imminent danger and bear in mind we're talking about downhill here these athletes know what you sign up for what what they're involved (laughs) in and what would be very interesting to know is how many of the athletes at the top when all the interruptions were going on the ones in the start gate the ones that were almost ready to go and then getting pulled back while these changes were being made whether they actually thought it was a good idea for these changes to take place because I think we've probably both been in races as 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 juniors where either gates were slightly moved after inspection because there were accidents happening or or a jump was was altered in some way and to be honest with you from the athlete's perspective I always wanted to just get on with the race I've looked at it I know the jump's big I know it's dangerous I know what I'm doing the whole idea of being an elite athlete is that you put yourself in the best position. You try and go as fast as you possibly can, but there are tactics involved in ski racing as well. And Like you said, I thought the girls that had done the jump already, yes, they went a long way, 
but they landed and, and they could control it. And I feel just... doesn't quite sit right, does it? I feel, it feels unfair to those first girls that went down. And then and they're not going to do another run. Two minutes worth of racing, minute and a half worth of racing. They're not going to go around and have another crack at it because, again, that's then not fair. It wasn't a surprise that that jump was going to be big. They knew the weather was going to be cold. The downhill tracks usually speed up with the more people that ski on them through the period of a downhill with the training runs and into the race. And so it should have been something that they picked up for with the forerunners. Were the forerunners good enough? Because if the forerunners were going down a lot slower than the women were racing, then the forerunners have become obsolete. Because if they're not good enough, if they're not showing the track at race pace, then what's the point of them being there? If you're testing the timing, get somebody to walk through the wand at the top and walk through the wand at the finish. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it 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 was tough. And it did take away from the race because... At the end of the day, there was some brilliant skiing going on and it was just a shame that there were so many pauses to get to that skiing. Yeah, Stephanie Venier taken her first win um, and she was second in Cortina. So she's pr- been proven that the form is on the rise and just a good weekend for racing. We spoke about it right at the beginning of the season with the Austrians not really having anybody right at the front. Yet another Austrian World Cup win and again peaking at the right time with the world champs just around the corner. Back to Tuesday night's Schladming night slalom. What an amazing spectacle Hirscher silencing all critics after his second and third, which were deemed as massive <laughs> dips in form by most people. Um, Alexi Pantero moving from third in Kitzbühel Slalom to second place, looking incredibly comfortable on his skis at the moment and, and finding some form that he's not had for quite a, quite a while. And Daniel picking up third place, which I think is made more impressive by the fact that he was 18th last race in Kitzbühel, only three days before yeah it looked like he had a couple of errors back in in Kitzbühel and he was very angry with himself in in the finish so he'll be very happy with that immediate bounce back you know this can go one or two ways if you have a bad result and you've got a race two days later sometimes you can almost make that worse uh, and try too hard and almost push yourself back whereas uh, fortunately Daniel came back and and skied brilliantly uh, at Schladming but it's all about her show. It's all about the Hersher show. Um, it's interesting to read that he's been spoken about quite critically in some areas about what has been going on on his first runs. We were talking more about, is he tired? Is he trying something a little bit different tactically? Has he changed his setup a little bit and that's just costing him a bit of time that he then adjusts on the second run? But to hear that he's actually been getting criticism for it, I was like, he's still one of the best in the world. I mean, you, you can't criticise somebody for finishing second and third. I mean, we may used to seeing him winning by considerable margins, but that, you know, second and third, he doesn't need to get criticised for it. I think that's a little extreme. But apparently what he has been doing is been testing so many different skis for so many different conditions that actually even his father said that that had become a bit of a distraction. The amount of different styles of skis, different flexes, the structures and the, the compositions of the skis. He's been doing so much testing that that's maybe where the distraction came from, that he wasn't then able to bring his best form in Kitzbühel and in Wengen. But what a blistering run. Those are exactly the right skiing that we'd missed from him in the two previous races. Absolutely dominated it. Properly good skiing and just blew everybody out of the water. Well, when you've got 200 pairs of skis to choose from, when you get the right pair, uh, nothing's stopping you. He was he was incredible. That first run, you could see the intensity in his eyes, even in the start gate of the first run. He's always in a very 
explosive skier. That was something else. And having seen the people in front of him put down some very good times and looking very much Christofferson looked great on the first round. They looked like he might be a challenge and Pantero put down an absolute flyer. Mm. And then Hershey just said, is that all you've got? And went down and absolutely, <laughs> absolutely have destroyed them. Have another second. And he, he was incredible. And to be honest with you, to have that level of aggression on what was effectively an ice rink turned on its side was just great to watch uh, because a lot of people were struggling for grip a lot, a lot of the athletes oh, yeah. you saw were just from pushing out of the gate. Those first three or four turns just yeah. could not find grip. It took them till the tenth, twelfth gate sometimes to really find a way to get the grip. And saw another great result from the Bulgarian Popov in sixth, Zenhuizen in fourth, and Britain's Dave Riding finishing in ninth. We said fifteenth was solid. This was really good skiing from Dave on, on both sides. It looked like he lost a bit of time on on the last section of both runs, whether that was through errors or just a bit of fatigue starting to creep in at this stage of the season. But he has really found a level of confidence in the last few races now where it's it's kind of oozing out of him when he skis, which was something we were asking for a few races ago, a bit earlier in the season. He was looking a little bit almost like he didn't feel like he belonged the way we know he does. And the last few races have, have really proved that. Uh, and it's just now a matter of just kicking down the door to those th- that top six. Yeah, I think because he's having this confidence and he's getting some really solid finishes again, it means that he can now start to take some more risks and really charge and go for it and actually look for speed. Whereas I think confidence a little bit rocked with a couple of ropey runs, uh, obviously coming out in Adelbode and, and a couple of first runs not really flying. Uh, but now the last couple of races, he's put two good runs down in each race. And I expect to see him really push on through it. The, the, the thing is, the pressure now for world champs off the back of a really good start to this winter with the British press uh, and the world champs around the corner is going to be super tough. And I think that that is probably going to be the make or break as opposed to technical skiing for Dave now. At the end of the day, most people are measured on results uh, and results as far as, you know, especially we're talking about the press, only really matter if they involve the numbers one, two or three. We know Dave's got it in him. He's set fastest splits this season. He's set fastest runs this season. It's just Kamari putting it all down in one day and going from there. I mean, if he does, it'll be out of the, you know, it'll be over the moon. But I don't think we should be putting the pressure on him saying, you know, go win the world champs. No, I, I think you're. I think you're exactly right. And again, we have to be realistic. It's the best of the best in the world. And yes, he's there and thereabouts within that group. So I think, yes, keep it in perspective. But on his day, he's as quick as any of those guys in the top 15. So, But like we see, the margins normally, barring Hirscher, are normally super tight. So it means that there's quality racing going on. This episode is sponsored by Maison Sport, the marketplace connecting skiers with independent ski instructors. From personal experience, I know that having the right ski instructor or coach has a huge impact on your skiing. That's right. Maison Sport have made it possible to book fully qualified independent instructors directly. You can choose an instructor that suits you based on their experience and reviews, whilst often saving money on the cost of the lessons. This service is available across France, Italy, Switzerland and Austria. For more information, go to maisonsport.com.
Let's have a quick look at the racing. Coming up this weekend, we've got the women in Maribor on Friday. They're racing GS and then Saturday they're racing Slalom. The racing is now is quite tight schedule because Are is around the corner and I think they start doing training runs even on the Monday. Uh, Maribor itself is quite a cool hill, but it's, it's pretty flat. So I think we're going to see some really tight racing. I hope that Schifrin manages to not blitz everybody by too much because it would be nice to see some good tight racing and, and keep it exciting. Well, she's had an extra week off not competing last week in the Super G. We discussed whether she would uh, go to Garmisch and try and get the treble or, or continue her run of, of 100% wins in Super G. She decided to take the time off. That she's still leading the Super G standings. She, so. She'd be leading well, hundreds of points still, but no one can get close to her. So that means she's even more rested for, for Maribor and the world champ. So a bit ominous, isn't she'll be, it? She'll be fresh and ready to go. So it's not a nailed-on conclusion that she'll win it, but she's rested and she has looked incredible in every discipline that she has raced this season. Always good if you can have some response from the home athletes as well in some of the kind of not lesser resorts, but just the non-marquee resorts. So mm. when you're in places uh, like Maribor, if you can have something from the Slovenian athletes, that's always a turn up for the books. It's been a while since we raced GS and Slalom. Last GS we raced on the 15th of January, so that's a couple of weeks ago. And the last Slalom was in Flakau back on the 8th of January. So any of the skiers that are only tech skiers... I've had quite a long time to be resting, training, the same time them being super rested. They're now potentially a little bit race rusty. So we could see a few turn up for the books in both respects. Some guys, some of the girls going super quick and some of the girls going uh, at the opposite direction. Who do you think is going to be the winner? I think we can both agree that Schifrin is probably going to get the double in slalom and the GS. I can't see anybody really getting too close to her just because of the form that she's on. It's a little bit flatter, so the piece itself is a little bit easier. So we may see it being a little bit closer, potentially, but that skill level that she's got at the moment, confidence sky high, I really struggle to see anybody taking the win away from her. But I won't call her for the win because that seems much too easy. Well, earlier in the season, Tessa Worley was skiing pretty well. She was my pick from the very first race and the only successful pick I've had so far. Is it? Um, oh, yeah. I've got like three. <laughs> Craig's on about ten now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I think you know Tessa's been skiing really well. It'll be interesting to see if she can keep that form going and, and bring it back in. She's had a few kind of thirds of late, so it'll be interesting to, to see if she can really, like you say, put her foot to the floor on a, on a relatively flat race piece. A lot of aggression will be will be required as well. Vlahova's been skiing incredibly. She's got her first wins under her belt in, in GS and Slalom now. So there are people who can compete. You know, the Austrians are riding an incredible wave at the moment. So any one of the Austrian girls could come in and compete, even though a couple of their top skiers are, are out injured. They don't seem to be struggling for replacements at the moment. So although Schifrin is definitely the favourite, there's plenty of people who could come in and upset her this weekend. But I'd, I'd say in the GS, I think Worley probably be my pick for this weekend. I thought you were going to say Worley, so when I was thinking about my pick, I had to think of an alternative to Worley as well. Uh, and so I have gone with Brianoni. So I th she's won already this year, and I think that she's got a good a chance as anybody of taking, I don't know, the win apart from 
apart from Schifrin, if that sounds a little bit too condescending. I just think that I think we both think that Schifrin is just so quick. I mean, I'd love to be proved wrong, but I think unfortunately it's a race for second place. But Brianoni is my pick without Schifrin. Um, but also we've got Brit racing with Alex Tilly back in action after some great early season form. I was chatting to her coach, Noel Baxter, just before we came on air. And he was saying that she's been skiing really well, found herself having that little injury, which saw her miss out on Courcheval, I think it was, which is actually her first time that she's missed a race due to injury, he was telling me, which I think is an astounding stat when we're looking at so many of the men and the women having uh, injury problems. So Alex Tilly's been skiing very well. Uh, I think it's going to be tough. He said that they've been training a lot in Super G to try and find a good feeling for the ski with this being a flatter event. And the next couple of races are flatter. The world champs are flatter as well. You know, the piece there isn't that steep. They've been definitely gearing up for this sort of flatter, easier slope as much as it can be easier on a World Cup piece. And so I look forward to seeing her trying to pick off another top 20. Yeah, she was skiing really nicely uh, in some of the earlier races. Uh, we saw some really good signs. We saw a couple of couple of good results before she got the injury. Yeah, now's a good time to come back and get a World Cup level race under her belt before the World Champs. Just you know, you can you can ski in the Europa Cups and other fist level races, but it's good to be in that World Cup atmosphere with the TV cameras, the crowds, all of your competition all there at once. So it'll be good for her to just get back into the the rhythm of of this kind of elite level racing uh, before the world champs and the slalom let's have a think about who's going to win for the slalom again barring Schifrin who I think has probably got it nailed on really uh, let's take her out of the running I'm going to go before you this time in case you try and steal my pick <laughs> uh, I am going to I'm I'm still going to keep plugging for Wendy Holdner to pick up her first World Cup win and I hope that she's got good shot. The Swiss women have had some pretty slim pickings when it comes to World Cup slalom wins and I think that she may be about to stop that. You reckon? You reckon? I went with Hansdotter for this one. World champs around the corner. Swedes need a big marker laid down in the snow uh, to say, look, we're hosting these world champs. We need some We need some wins. And who's better to do it than Frida? She's been skiing pretty well in slalom. She's up there in the rankings. I think she's fourth in the standings in the slalom at the moment. Obviously, we've seen Vlahova ski really well so far in slalom. But I just felt Hansdotter would have a, a nice chance on this hill. I think she's performed reasonably well there before. So that was, that was my pick for this weekend. But let's have a look at the men who are racing this weekend. They got downhill on Saturday uh, in Garmisch, Partenkirchen, and we spoke about that already with the conditions there. It's a super tough hill. It's always dark. It's always icy. Uh, the men take a slightly different route to the ladies, which is even more gnarly, and I expect to see some absolute fireworks. I think off the back of a very, very hectic schedule for the men in the downhill and Super G on the speed side. We've had Wengen, Kitzbühel, and then we've got Garmisch, and then we go straight into World Champs downhill. These guys, you know, we talk about them being superhumans, athletes, and they're going to have to draw on everything here. And I think that it's going to be a cracking weekend of racing. We spoke about it in commentary for the races. Um, it's now the last opportunity to be picked for world champs. And these bigger teams have got lots of athletes vying for 
only four spots. There's going to be people pushing and taking crazy, crazy risks all weekend. I think, again, I'm going to sneak in before you for a downhill call. I'm going to back Christoph Innerhofer. You're not going to keep riding Paris. He's doing you so well. Sounds a bit wrong, doesn't it? (laughs) (laughs) I think, no, I'm not. Only because, I don't know, I'm not sure why I think Innerhofer over Paris. I I think Innerhofer, it's going to be a bit mental again. Innerhofer loves it crazy. And I just think he may have a bit of a point to prove. Not that a point to prove as such, I guess. But Dominic Paris is being so well and he's become even more of a superstar with these amazing results. And I think Innerhofer is going to have the bit between his teeth. He's going for some payback on his teammate. Yeah, stop, stop, right. stop, stop stealing the spotlight. Yeah. <laughs> I think Foyts, if you think Innerhofer's getting wound up with being pushed to the back, yeah. Foyts has been pushed down from, from top stuff at a podium two weeks in a row with what looked like blistering runs. He's got to be feeling his time's coming. Um, so I'm, I'm going to go with Foyts for the downhill. He just looks so comfortable at the moment. I know he. I know people keep edging in front of him, but he's skiing so well. That's so consistent as well. I mean, may like you say, not have quite got the run of the green, but it's we're talking fine margins, so you're right. He's been on form all season long, and that's why he's leading the uh, downhill tour standings as well. So I expect to see him right up there as, again as well. Then on to Sunday, we switch to the GS. We've got, I think, again, it's been a little while since the men had their GS skis on. They've had quite a long break if you only ski GS. There aren't too many kind of pure GS specialists anymore, are there? The no, Italians used the to Italians have, had a couple, used to have Max Bladoni only doing, yeah. only doing GS, but it's been a while since I've seen a... It doesn't happen often. A one-discipline a one specialist yeah. for GS. Charlie Raposo is going to be racing, which was nice to see. I've been really impressed with how he's been skiing through the early half of the season, yet to qualify for a second run, but we've seen... I think a couple of races where he's crashed, but he's crashed right at the final split and twice already he's been inside the 30 at the final split, which obviously doesn't count really because he fell over, but he's showing really good form. Garmisch is going to be super tough though, as we've discussed with the conditions and it's going to be really, really icy. Charlie's had a couple of days at home to rest and get ready before this race and then obviously the World Champs and a very busy end to the season as it always is. So well rested. Hopefully the little niggles he has in his back are as good as they can be at this point of the season and I'm, I think that he's going to get his second run here. I do think that this is going to be the one where he finds himself being able to be consistent. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, like you say, he's been skiing really well earlier in the year and that form comes from somewhere. It comes from being able to do it and you and you know these guys can so you just want to see them really perform when it matters uh, and just so that you can finally get that stage that, that you need. It's one of those things as races everyone strives for is making that top 30 on a second run so you can finally get a nice clean piece to ski down. Yeah. So like you're saying, obviously if the course is as icy as it was last weekend for the women's racing, back injuries don't like icy and bumpy slopes. Uh, so hopefully he's recovered enough that those niggles don't interfere with him while he's on the way down and he can get two solid runs in. Uh, and start picking up some World Cup points. Exactly. On to a pick then, Benjamin. You can go first. Well, 
Mr. Hirsch has been skiing incredibly well. No, we can't choose Mr. Hirsch. (laughs) (laughs) He's cancelled himself back out. We we saw the little lull and we thought we'd bring him back in and now he's ruined it for the picking. (laughs) So unfortunately, Marcel, you are out of being picked. Um, Well, we've seen some pretty good skiing from most of the rest of the top guys. Same again, Pantero. Uh, and Christofferson. If anything, Christofferson's almost skiing better now in GS than he is in Slavia. Maybe the pressure's off him in GS a little bit more. It is, it is. But recently, someone who's been a bit of a surprise, and it's going to be a way out there pick. No, don't. Don't don't steal my, my pick. Marco Schwartz. Oh, no, I was going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's way out. That's more out there than my pick. Because he he's had a couple of really good GS results starting from a long way back. And I think that's just because the Austrians were using their start slots for other athletes. But he went from, I think, high 30s or 40s previously and, and slipped into like fifth or sixth and then did it again in the next race as well. So his start number will be coming down. He'll be full of confidence from winning in the duel earlier in the in in the winter, and I just think it's it's one of those things. Everyone's not everyone's kind of got their eyes on Hersher at the moment. It'll be interesting to see if he can throw one in through the back door when no one's paying attention and and, and really put on. I said it was outside. Yeah, that's quite <laughs> outside. I thought you were going to steal my. Oh, I thought I was feeling very smug with my outside choice. <laughs> I got really nervous that you're about to steal it. I think Jan Kranjek might be time for him to win again. Because he he obviously won in Schladming, no Schladming, Saubach Hinterglem, that's the one I was looking for. Aided a little bit by conditions, but he has been skiing really well. And he started skiing really well in Slalom as well, which he, I think he had one of the quickest, again, take Ayrshire out of it. Uh, I think he had one of the quickest second runs of Schladming and found himself I think he finished in 10th from quite a high bib number and, and so I think his confidence is sky high he's skiing super well technically skis GS beautifully very stable on his feet looks really calm and I just think that he may now become a guy to be looking at week in week out as opposed to a bit more of an outside choice I really think we're going to start seeing him consistently hitting podiums now the last couple of slaloms have been a bit like Schwartz's last couple of GSs where it's not his primary discipline, but he's been skiing really well. And I did notice those results coming in from a long way out. He's been skiing incredibly. And like you said, he's got a win under his belt already this year. So I think that could be definitely a good pick. But also at the same time, we're, we're picking those guys. We're saying here should skiing quickly. Um, and equally, I think Pantero is going to be there or thereabouts, isn't he? I think we both agree that Pantero skiing with amazing form at the moment and wouldn't be surprised if we see him picking up potentially a win. I'm s- certain we're going to see him on the podium. Again, kick off the world champs with great form. We're seeing such great racing now. It bodes really well for the racing over the next couple of weeks, but it is going to be an action-packed schedule. We hope that you will be able to join us then. That's all we've got time for this episode and we will see you again next time. Goodbye for now. Goodbye for now.